Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. We're going to walk through a message. I feel like there are three questions that I sense the Holy Spirit asking each of us. Now, let me say before we get into the questions that I know some of you came from denominations that didn't necessarily embrace the Holy Spirit, and your blood pressure is starting to pick up right now, okay? Just hearing the mention of the Holy Spirit. So let's have a little theological quiz, okay? God the Father, God the Son, and I want you to finish. God the... Okay. I have heard it said before by people in other denominations, and it's not bad on them. I have lots of friends in other denominations that we don't agree, we don't see the Holy Spirit the same way, and it's okay. But I've heard this phrase. My, my pastor told me, be careful around people who talk too much about the Holy Spirit. They're weird, okay? So let's just quickly settle this whole thing, all right? Is the Holy Spirit God? Okay, great. So when someone says, be careful of people who talk about the Holy Spirit, let me say it another way. Be careful of people who talk about God. Because they're weird. Let's take part B here. Okay, let's just settle this. Yes, I, I've grown up in, in some, some different environments uh, and seen some different things. But let me just say this. Weird people are weird not because of the Holy Spirit, but because they're weird. And just because they might blame it on the Holy Spirit doesn't make the Holy Spirit weird. God is not weird. God's not weird. So if there's any part of you freaking out right now going, oh my goodness, I like churches to talk about God. I am talking about God. And we're going to read some scripture about how beautiful the Holy Spirit is. Okay? But there are three real big questions I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking all of us. All right? Me included. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these questions down. All right? Here's question number one. Do you need me? Do you need me? Here's an even more direct way to say it that I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying. Do you even think you need me? Now, I want to show you in Matthew chapter 3, as Jesus begins his three-year run of ministry on the earth, fully God, fully man, okay? Remember, firsts are important to God. The first belongs to God. Firsts have always been important to God. What is the first thing that happens to kick off Christ's ministry on the earth? His baptism, right? Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, let's read together what happens after Jesus and in the midst of Jesus being baptized to kick off his ministry on the earth. Matthew three sixteen. after Christ's baptism, as he was coming up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and settling on him. A dove did not settle on Jesus and poop on his head as it was resting on him. I've heard people teach, a dove descended on Jesus. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit like a dove. What does that mean? Well, think about the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Gently settling on Jesus. Think about this. 
if Jesus refused to do one moment of ministry without the Holy Spirit, why would I ever desire to do a day without the Holy Spirit? Why would I ever think about starting a day without the Holy Spirit? If Jesus wouldn't start his ministry without the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just that Jesus shows us that we need the Holy Spirit because he needed the Holy Spirit. He shows us much deeper than that. And let me tell you this. Sinclair Ferguson says it like this so brilliantly about the relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He says, from the womb to the tomb to the throne, the Holy Spirit was the constant companion of Jesus. Okay, so for those of us who flinch a little bit, when we just hear the name Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were constant companions. The Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus as he was coming up out of the water. Then let's go a little bit further. John chapter 20, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is walking around town. And look what happens in John 20, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, there was, Jesus was standing there among them. So hit the pause button, get the picture, okay? The disciples, like cowards, are hiding in fear, all right? Locked all the doors so nobody could get in. Jesus, instead of knocking, just enters the room. Wah! Just here I am. And they are freaking out. And you know they're freaking out because watch what Jesus says to them. Peace be with you. In the original language, it means relax, fellas. It's me. And watch what he does. As he spoke, he showed them his wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. They realized it was Jesus. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now watch what Jesus does next. The Son of God is saying, hey, in the same way the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And what's the next thing he does? Then Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus sent the disciples out, And remember, then go on to Acts 2. What what happens later as it begins to spread to the rest of the church? Ministry couldn't be done without the Holy Spirit. Jesus made this abundantly clear. So why would I try and live a day without the Holy Spirit? So here would be a question. How do we know whether or not we believe we actually need the Holy Spirit? Well, I'll tell you how. It's by answering this question. How often do you find yourself spending time with him? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one-liner down because I liked this one. How long you go without something reveals how much of it you think you need. Now I want to do something. I just want to take a moment. And I want you to think about the last time you entered into a room and did things your way without first saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this room? What do you want me to say? The last time you made a decision without going to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, remember, for wisdom. Listen, we're all guilty. I've preached messages in my past without going to the Holy Spirit and ask what the Holy Spirit wanted to say. I made decisions 
I've lived days of my life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want us to do to finish off this first point. I want you just to close your eyes, both campuses, and if you're watching online, I want you just to close your eyes. I want you to take a moment, and here's what we're going to do together. We're going to repent. I want you just in your heart, as you think about the times where you have done something apart from the Holy Spirit, and we're going to repent. We're going to apologize. Just take a moment in your heart. Just tell them in your own words. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, we're sorry for any and every moment where we thought we could do something apart from you. We need you. I need you. Every moment of every day, I, we, do not want to do life apart from you. Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's question number two that I believe the Holy Spirit's asking. Are we friends? Not just do you need me. It's great to be needed, but you know what's better than being needed? Actually being friends. Now, I think that very few believers actually understand they can be friends with God. And I actually think there's one verse in the Old Testament that kind of is the undercurrent for this belief. And it's an incorrect assumption, but I could see how some get to this point. Think about it, because I, I know some of us don't think we, we are able to be friends with God because of all the junk we've done in our past. Let me help you understand something. Being friends with God is not about anything you do. It's about what he wants. The God of the universe wants to be friends with you. But there's a verse in the Old Testament that I think kind of is the underlying factor of why a lot of believers don't even think they can be friends with God. They think they have to have a formal relationship with him. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, God is speaking to the Israelites. He says, but you, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. One person in the Old Testament, it is said of, God says, this is my friend. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, no, Abraham wasn't the only one. Moses was too. Okay, no, that's not what God said. Go back to Exodus 33, verse 11. What does scripture say? It says that Moses spoke to God face to face like a man speaks to his friend. Okay, Bible trivia, who wrote Exodus? Moses did, okay? So it's almost like Moses is looking back at Abraham and, and God says, this is my friend. And Moses is like, what am I, chopped liver? We have something special too. Yes, Moses and God had something very special. But even still, God did not say, that's my friend, the way he said it about Abraham. So it would be easy to incorrectly assume when we see that God only says in the Old Testament that he has one friend that I guess God is kind of antisocial. 
He just doesn't have any friends. He's got one friend and that's it. He's a recluse. He doesn't want to be friends with me. Now, let me let you in on a little secret, okay? Jesus did not just come to earth to save you. Jesus came to earth to show you what God is like. That's what Paul says very clearly. He's the physical form of invisible God. Listen, this, watch what Jesus says. Look in John 15 if you turn there because I, I want you to see this. Uh, oh, John 5 first. Let me read this to you. Verse 19. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. What is Jesus saying? I came here to show you what the father is like. Jesus had tons of friends. Tons. And he taught on friendship. He constantly taught on love. Now look in John 15. While Jesus is teaching on love, look at the verbiage he uses. John 15 verse 13. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life. And many of us put a period right there. Jesus does not. He says, for his friends. Now, stop. Don't read ahead. Some of us think, oh, yeah, Jesus died for me. Jesus says, greater love has nobody than somebody who lays down their life for their friends. Now, it would be easy to think, oh, well, Jesus is talking to the disciples, his friends. Let's see who Jesus is talking to. He says in verse 14, you are my friends, not just his audience. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus sets the record straight that he does not call you a servant if you have made him Lord of your life. He calls you his friend, but there's a little bit of a problem. Jesus also says, hey, we're friends, but newsflash, this friend is going to leave pretty soon. I'm going to be at the right hand of the Father. I'm not going to be around. Now, I want to be friends, but I'm leaving. Now look in John chapter 16. Just flip over a page if you're reading it in your own Bible. Verse 7. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Greek word there is parakletos, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. This phrase, I will send him to you, literally means I will send him to be close to you. This word parakletos comes from the word paraclete which literally means the one who is sent to be close. Jesus says, hey, I want to be friends with you. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you didn't look in God's direction thinking you had to have a formal relationship, but that he wanted to have an informal, quote unquote, relationship with you where you, the two of you could talk about anything instead of have to formally go into his presence and use churchy jargon he wants to have a personal, intimate friendship with you. And Jesus says, even though I'm going, I'm going to send the helper to you. We're friends, but I've got to go, and I'm going to come back. But while I'm gone, I'm going to send a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And this word parakletos, parakletos literally means comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, Strengthener, 
stand by. So let me just ask you a question. Have you ever been really sad? I mean, really down. And you just needed a friend to comfort you. And you're waiting for at least one of your friends who knew your situation to send you a sweet, comforting text, and it never came through. And the frustration grows, and you, you start to resent them, and you just wanted a friend to send you a comforting word. Guess what Jesus says about your friend, the Holy Spirit? He is your comforter. He comes to comfort you when you're sad, depressed, overwhelmed. He is your comforter. How about this? Advocate. Advocate and intercessor. What does this mean? Intercessor means one who stands in the middle, in between. The Holy Spirit stands in the middle, just like Jesus, between us and God, advocating for us. It's like like having a great friend who walks into the room before you and says, let me tell you, somebody awesome is about to walk into the room. That's the kind of advocate the Holy Spirit is for you constantly going around, blowing you up on heavenly social media, saying how awesome you are when you are beating yourself up, saying how horrible you are. You have a friend, capital F, who is advocating for you, even when you feel like you're not at your best. That's a good friend. How about this one, counselor? Have you ever been in a situation where you just wanted a friend? to tell you exactly what to do, to help you do the right thing so that things would go exactly the way they need to go. You just needed to phone a friend, to script your place, to tell you exactly what you need to do, but you couldn't find a friend to give you the right wisdom. Jesus says, I'll tell you, you have a friend like that who has all wisdom in heaven and on earth. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. How about strengthener? Have you ever felt weak and you just wanted a friend? to come and strengthen you, to bring a protein shake emotionally. Not just make you feel better, but make you strengthen. Jesus says, hey, the Holy Spirit is your strengthener. The same spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That's what the Bible says. That's crazy talk. So when you feel weak, remember, the Holy Spirit is your strengthener. Why would we ever, when the strengthener walks into the room, to loan some of his heavenly strength go, you're weird. Get away from me, Satan. I'll tell you why. Because if I were the devil, I'd do the same thing to believers. I'd try and convince you that the key to freedom, the key to power in the kingdom of God is actually weird and will make you do crazy things and you better stay away from him. Because that way... The devil doesn't have to worry about you ever coming into contact with the power that he's so deathly afraid of. It's a brilliant play on the devil's part. But at some point, I believe the eyes of the church are going to be awakened. That the Holy Spirit is not some whack job. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And there's nothing to be afraid of. If you're not afraid of the Father and you're not afraid of the Son, why would you ever be afraid of the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you why. Because you've seen a few weird people do some weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this question, if that's you. Have you ever seen some husbands do some really stupid things in the name of love? Some really mean things in the name of love? Sure you have. 
Does that make husbands bad? No, it just means that guy had some issues. Weird people are weird, but the Holy Spirit is not. Okay? Now, I'll show you one more passage, Psalm 51, verse 10. If you have time this week, go and read this, all right? This is the Psalm David writes after getting caught in adultery with Bathsheba. Can you even imagine that feeling being the king? And the prophet Nathan calls you out. You think you're getting away with it, but the prophet Nathan, your friend, calls you out. And this Psalm 51 is the Psalm David writes after being caught. And I want, you re I want to read you two verses. And I want you to see, because I would venture to say that all believers have incredible respect for David. Known as the best king Israel has ever had. And I want you to see what David says in Psalm 51 after he's been caught and he's, he knows he's going to be punished. Verse 10, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Watch this next part because his tone gets strong. Do not, do not, God, cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David is begging God. Why? Go all the way back to 1 Samuel, I think it's 16, where David is anointed as the next king of Israel. And the Bible says, at that moment, the Holy Spirit came upon David powerfully from that day forward. David knew everything he did was because of his relationship with the Spirit of God. And he says to God, please, I know I deserve punishment. I know you're about to punish me. But please, I beg you, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. I can't live without it. It reminds me of my kids, especially my boys, when they get caught doing something wrong. And they're kind of at that age where we're not spanking anymore. And now for some of you, spanking is like a really bad word. Uh, but read your Bible. God has an opinion on spanking, just telling you. Spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm just telling you, I didn't write it, he did, and I hate spanking my kids. But they're at that age where now spankings, it's, they don't do what they used to, and so now we take things away from them. And so depending on what they do, you know, we'll say, okay, for the next week, uh, no scooter. For the next week, no phone. For the next week, uh, no going to a friend's house. But there's one thing in this season of their lives that gets a different reaction than any other thing I take away from them. Okay, boys, for the next week, no Fortnite. Daddy, no! No! Please, I beg you, take away my phone for a year. Do not take thy Fortnite away from me. I wish it was the Holy Spirit, but they're not quite there yet. It's okay. Why? Why is it so important to pay attention to what we beg not to lose? I'll tell you why. If you're taking notes, write this down. What you love most is what you will beg most not to lose. This is what David is begging. Take away everything. It's okay. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Why? Because he couldn't live without his best friend. So I'm going to do something in this moment. The first kind of moment of silence, we just apologized for ever trying to do anything without the Spirit of God. And I want you to close your eyes again. This time, as a friend speaks to a friend, 
even if you're a little uncomfortable, I'm not making you say it out loud, just say it in your heart. To the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, I want you just to begin, as a friend speaks to a friend, to tell him how much you love him, to tell him what you love about him, tell him what you're so grateful for that he does. Just take a moment. Talk to your friend. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for your strength when we're weak, for your wisdom when we have no clue what to do. We're grateful that you're our advocate, that even when we feel at our lowest, you're speaking life over us, reminding us how the God of the universe sees us. not through our sin, but through the blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for being the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Where would we be without you, friend? Thanks for always being there. All right, here's question number three. Do you long to hear what I'm saying? Do you long to hear what I'm saying? One of the most important works of the Holy Spirit is speaking. Jesus tells us this. Look in John 16 if you're there in your Bible. Verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit, capital S, of truth, has come, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. How will the Holy Spirit guide you into all truth? Look at the next part. He will not speak on his own authority. How does the Holy Spirit guide us in all truth? With his voice. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. He says whatever he hears the Father saying, and Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will tell you of things to come. This makes me think, you know, about how busy we get, how we go, 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 and unless the phone rings, oftentimes we don't ever stop long enough to listen to anybody. We can carry conversations on the go, we're great at multitasking, but we're not always the best at stopping everything and just listening to someone speak to us. 
let alone the Holy Spirit. It makes me think about with my kids and my wife, we have a rule. When I'm traveling and they know whether I'm in elders meetings or other meetings or whether I'm here and I'm in the office in meetings, my kids and my wife know, if you need me, call me. But here's the rule. If you call me once, I'm not gonna answer because I know what that means is you're just asking me to pick up Chick-fil-A on the way home and I don't have time for that conversation right now. But if you call me twice, I make this promise to you. I will stop everything I'm doing. I will walk out of the room if I have to. And I will listen to whatever you need to say to me. And here was the picture I got for us in this season of our lives. It was like I saw each of us in this really important conference room. And you are giving the most incredible presentation of your life. And there are some power players in that room. And I mean, you're on fire and you hear your phone vibrate. And you stop and you look down. And when you know it, the Holy Spirit is calling. You hit the power button on the side and make it go silent. You go right back into your presentation, firing bullets. You're on a roll. Everybody's listening. And in the midst of your monologue, you hear your phone vibrate again. And wouldn't you know it, it's the Holy Spirit. In this moment, each of us has a choice to make. Will I stop everything and take his call? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this last one-liner down. The greatest evidence that we long to hear is that we make space for him to be heard. I'll say it again. The greatest evidence that we long to hear is that we make space for him to be heard. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. pray a very simple prayer. Great thing about God is he doesn't need me to get all riled up, fired up, yelling and screaming. In the same way one of my children can whisper to me, I can whisper to him and be heard. We're going to take a few moments to answer the call and just listen. Holy Spirit, Thank you for being in this room. Thank you for being sent by Jesus to be the one who is close, who doesn't just dwell around us, but is so close you dwell within us as believers in Jesus. Holy Spirit, my request is very simple. Spirit of God, would you now speak Your friends are listening.
Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.